So Jesus said to those who had come to believe in him, If you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But they answered, We are the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. So how can you say we will become free? You see, they answered Jesus in the same way we might. I mean, we're Americans, right? We live in the land of the free. We sing songs about it. We get together and have parties and fireworks, all to celebrate our nation's freedom. But Jesus was speaking of a different kind of freedom, a freedom that can only be found in him. He answered them, This is the truth. Everyone who chooses a life of sin isn't free. They are a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son or a daughter, they belong forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. That's a great verse because it's true. How many of you experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ in your life from something, right? And uh, how many of you have lost that freedom sometimes? I'm not saying losing Jesus, but the joy and the power and the strength God's given you. This is my favorite Independence Day verse right here. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's say that together. Ready? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is what they put on an animal to be able to steer and direct them. Sometimes it's really big, bulky, and heavy. And the sin that you and I have been set free from, we can easily lose that freedom... When we fall prey to sin and choose not to let Christ continue to give us the freedom. And it's like a big old yoke around us. And what happens is not only the destruction possibly of your life, but the destruction of family, the destruction of a community of friends that you have, and ultimately it can extend to a destruction of a nation. On Independence Day, it's interesting, um, every year where my heart goes, because I'm patriotic, I am glad I am born in the USA, but then I sort of observe sometimes what's happening in the USA. Are you with me? And you wonder, why are we giving away freedom? Why is there a yoke of slavery that's upon us. And I think when we are called to pray, especially on an independence weekend for our nation, it's a very serious prayer that needs to take place. Because freedom should never be taken for granted. Freedom of the heart, freedom to follow Christ, freedom from oppression. You know, this last week we've had several tragic international events related to terrorism. It was the Istanbul airport a week ago. There was the Bangladesh restaurant this week, if you read about it. 
And yesterday or last night, my understanding is there were several bombs in uh, Baghdad, and over 120 people were killed, including kids in a mall. And you just say to yourself, why? Now, it's not like there hasn't been evil and other difficulties through generations past. I understand that. But there seems to be this continual wrestling with finding freedom. Some of you are aware that um, a mentor of mine by the name of Ravi Zacharias, uh, has been pretty influential to me. And he sent out um, a little update yesterday called The Soul of America. I want to read for you parts of this. I guess I can post it online or Facebook. But um, this is what he says. Years ago, and uh, Ravi, by the way, travels extensively. He uh, is an evangelist for Jesus Christ. He's originally from India, but he travels about every part of the world that I can comprehend. Years ago, Francis Schaeffer and C. Everett Koop penned their book, Whatever Happened to the Human Race. It was a book that warned of the decisions that were being made within a culture stepping into new and terrifying terrain. They saw clearly what we, where we were headed, and we are now there. I narrowed down the title to what is happening on the home front here in America. Listening to the blistering political rhetoric, I'm asked all over the world, what has happened in America? The question should go deeper. Whatever happened to the American soul? We are truly at a cliff's precipitous edge, and the fall could be long and deadly. Why? We have a deep crisis of the soul that is killing us morally, and we have no recourse. We have no recourse because the only cure has been disparaged and mocked by the elite and the powerful. And those very ideologies are now presiding over the slaughter of our citizens while the abundance of speeches is inversely proportional to the wisdom they contain and the reason bleeds to death before our eyes. He goes on at length and explains deeply into three particular areas of what's wrong with the soul in America, that there's been a loss of morality, that there's been a loss of truth, and there's been a loss of reason. He concludes this way, We are sliding into the future with evil stalking us, but no morality, no truth, and no reason to guide us. America may be flirting with a self-inflicted mortal wound, or it could be a killing that is designed by a postmodern ideology masquerading as political correctness. When liberalism, whose legitimate child is relativism, has played itself out, it will be a pyrrhic victory to find ourselves in the hands of those who identify it whose identity it is no longer in doubt. And when they are in control, the very means they use to hide their identity will be silenced as well. They will preside over the last rites of political correct enforcers and the quote-unquote free press that abused freedom and celebrated the lie till they themselves were silenced, buried by the truth they never wanted to expose. There always has been, and is now more than ever, only one hope for rescue. If we abide in God's truth, revealed in his Son, then we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. That is why I say again and again that we must dispense with our verbal arsenal that speaks only in terms of right and wrong, right and left. We have forgotten that there is an up and a down. May God help us. We need his transforming power to change our thinking, to give us a hunger for what is true, true freedom is not in doing whatever we wish, but in doing what we ought. 
that has been buried in America. And only one who knows, and only one who knows the way out of the grave can give us a second chance to live. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life that sets us free from within first before we learn to deal with the lies around us. As my prayer, Robbie says, this July 4th, I think of the great hymn of Isaac Watts prayed often in moments of drastic transition. And he says, I have added a fourth verse to our times. Do you know this hymn? Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills and order stood, or earth received her fame, from everlasting thou art God to endless years the same. And then he adds, we need thee now as ne'er before. We mourn the wisdom gone. Transform our land forevermore. Redemption through your son. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. If we want to uphold freedom, then you need to embrace everything there is about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to bring you freedom. Yes, the forgiveness of your sins, but the, and yes, the hope of eternal life, but freedom in the here and now world. Now, some of us watch far too much news, and we get fearful and worried and concerned, and there's rightful reason to do so when we do look at America and the, the drift towards no morality and no truth and no reason. But where your focus and my focus needs to be is not on the devastating effects of sin and the adversary who seeks to wreak havoc and destruction in this world. Our focus has to be on Jesus Christ, and our life needs to be embracing everything about Jesus Christ. And as we live in that freedom, then we're able to give freedom to other people, and we are ultimately able to lead and help lead, I guess, a nation that is free. We must embrace everything about Jesus Christ. How well do you know Jesus Christ? We're sort of doing two series this summer. And the first Sunday of every month we have communion. We gather together and we're going to spend some time also praying for people for healing as well. But we've been focused um, the first Sunday of every month on a series called the Fourfold Gospel and the fourfold gospel is part of what uh, we're affiliated with, the Christian Missionary Alliance of Movement. And it goes back 125 plus years. A man by the name of A.B. Simpson who really found himself fully devoted to Christ and living the freedom that God called him to live. And he was very Christocentric. That means Christ-centered. And he said there's more to Jesus then you and I probably realize, and we need to discover it. So he framed up what's called the fourfold gospel, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our coming King. And we phrase it here in our church this way, Christ is our redeeming Savior, He's our abiding Sanctifier, He's our transforming Healer, and Christ is our coming King. 
And so the cross represents Savior. The laver represents the sanctifier and cleansing. The pitcher represents pouring out for healing. And the crown represents the coming king. All encompassed in the globe, which is Christ's great commission. Jesus said to make disciples and followers, people that would find and discover his freedom of all people groups, of all nations. And so he said, go, go and spread freedom. So we have to recalibrate our minds always and our hearts and our lives. What really brings people into freedom? What brings us as a people into freedom? What keeps us free as a church? What brings us freedom in our nation and around the world? Freedom is only going to be found in Jesus Christ. So we've looked at Christ our Savior. Last month we looked at Christ our Healer. Today I want us to look at Christ our Abiding Sanctifier. John Soper uh, who is former vice president of the CMA. He's pastor now, I think, out uh, in uh, the East Coast. He says this, The two great gifts that Jesus came to bring his people are salvation and sanctification. These two gifts are related but distinct. And the sad reality is that while every Christian understands the experiences of the first, many Christians neither understand or experience the second. Now, the word sanctification, that's a big word. If I was to ask you what sanctification means, a lot of you would say, duh. And that's okay, understandable, because it's not used today. Some of you may take sanctification in all kinds of different directions. In fact, when it used to be debated more hotly, I think, in churches, we could all get in a fight over what sanctification really means. But as uh, Evangelist Vance Havner once said, I remember he says, we can all get in a fight over what sanctification means, but we can all agree on one thing, that we're far behind on our sanctification. These two things Jesus came to bring. He goes on to say this, the results of this deficiency of not knowing are crippling to the spiritual life. Without the experience of Christ as sanctifier, we are condemned to an ongoing and unsuccessful struggle against sin. The desire to separate, which is the root word of meaning of the word sanctify, from sin exists, but there is no power to achieve it. More than that, there is a lack of power in our lives and ministry. This is often accompanied by a lack of assurance of salvation and a corresponding lack of joy in our walk with Christ. Jesus Christ, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. There's more to Jesus than probably what you've experienced. Maybe you grew up in a church that always talked about you need to get saved. You need to get saved. Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave. You invite him into your life. He becomes your Savior. Your sins are forgiven, and you get to go to heaven. That's very much true. Very much true. Christ our Savior. We talked about the whole redemption and the change that happens. But it's not just that he's our Savior, because some people just sort of park there and I'm good, leave me alone, I'll live my own life for now. No, Christ is also our sanctifier, as well as our healer and coming king. But the sanctifier aspect of our life, I just want to ask you, who is your sanctifier to free you from the power of sin in your life, and to give you what sanctification really is, which is holiness. Who do you cling to? You just try to crawl your way up uh, the mountain and, and try to do better and get better and improve yourself? Or have you discovered that Christ is the one that comes into your life, not just to save you for eternity, but to change your life because he is the power change agent? Jesus Christ, can you comprehend when he was brought to this earth, 
God himself eternally created all things, born of a virgin, incarnated into this world, lived in this world for 33 years, that Jesus, because he was born of the Holy Spirit, he was born without sin. Unlike all of us as human beings, we're born with sin, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. But Jesus Christ, for 33 years, was sinless. I, I, I can't comprehend that. And I'm not talking about just acts of sin. I'm talking about attitudes and thoughts. And he wasn't, you know, a prissy, nice, little, you know, quiet, meek. I mean, the guy was full of life. He got righteously angry in the temple. And, and, and he joked with his disciples. And he called people out to greater causes. He persevered through all kinds of persecution and ridicule. And not once, not once, Jesus, did you get an attitude like, bug off, you're a terrible person, I hate you. Now, he could identify sin, and a person needed Christ, but the idea that he would have sin in his spirit didn't exist. And that sinless one went to the cross. Satan had no rights to him. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He broke the power of Satan over this world and over our individual souls. And that Jesus, who we invite into our life as Savior, is the power for our strength of sanctification. So Christ is our abiding sanctifier. How many of you like to go to Costco? Not in Temecula. I have never seen such a busy Costco as the store that's here. Now, some of you, I know you go to Costco for multiple reasons. You're like me. Sometimes I go just to walk and to veg. And to think, oh, that would be nice to have. And then just walk on by it. You've got to have that discipline, right? But sometimes while you're there, you realize you haven't eaten for the day. You've been like that? I'm like that often. So I just forget to eat lunch. I'm busy. Oh, I'm, oh, oh, yeah. No wonder. And then you go, wow, they got all these samplers. Now, some people have this down to an art. I think it's really abusive, actually. But, you know, I get a couple samples here and there. But I've seen people actually go and probably cure their whole appetite by doing the samples. Anybody like to admit to that today? You bet you, man. You know, some people, long line. I'm like, hey, that would be nice to sample me because maybe I'd like to buy it. It's like, long line. And then they, they set it out. Whoa. Scary. Right? <laughs> you know what I find with Christians a lot of times? We're sort of the samplers when it comes to Jesus. I'll sample Jesus for this. That's, that's pretty good. Thank you there for the salvation and trying to help here. There. I can pray to you, that kind of thing. But... We spend our whole life as Christians just sort of doing little samples of Jesus rather than embracing all of Jesus. All of Jesus as our Savior and our Sanctifier and our Healer and our Coming King. Do you know the full meal deal of Jesus Christ in your life? Or are you nibbling around on little pieces of Jesus? Because I'll tell you this. If you spend your time nibbling on the little pieces of Jesus and you got one foot in, one foot out, and you're sort of doing the dance, you know, you're going to be a miserable person. I know. I remember that season in my life. I remember seasons when I can start to drift that way. Whether it's discouragement, whether it's sometimes depression, whether things aren't going well, 
I am so thankful the Spirit of God speaks to me and says, Carrie, where are you at today with Jesus? Is Jesus everything to you? Are you fully embracing him? Do you know that he's not only the one who saves you? He's the one who gives you the, the power over the... Yes, he, he's given, forgiven you for the penalty of sin as a savior, but he's now giving you the power over sin. And that power is permanently resident in your life. Carrie, come back to me. Stop piecemealing things. And I just want to give a simple exhortation to you today. Christ cannot be your sanctifier unless you are all in, fully embracing who Jesus is. It's not that Jesus sits back and watches, when are you going to get done playing the games with me? It's just that his power can't operate in your life if your vessel as a human being is compromised with trying to, to say, I sort of want to still have this life of my own indulgence a little bit, and I want a little bit of Jesus, doesn't work. It just does not work. Have you received Christ not only as your Savior, but have you received him fully as your sanctifier? John seventeen fifteen. Whose words are these? You know, John 17, great passage. It's a prayer. It's the prayer Jesus prayed before he went to the cross after he had been journeying with his disciples for three years. And part of that prayer says this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, God, but that you protect them from the evil one. Very mindful of the evil one. We've talked about that in our On the Brink series. There's a battle going on over your life from the evil one, Satan himself. They are not of this world even as I am not of this world. And then he uses the word. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have now sent them into the world. And verse 19, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I love this verse. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. That's my name right there. I wasn't one of the original 12, but I've believed in Jesus through the message he's given. And Jesus is praying for you and me today that you and I would be sanctified. Ooh, that means I better probably learn what that word means. Sanctified. Sanctification. Ooh, I'm sounding all religious and spiritual now. Yeah. It's your hope. It's your freedom. It's your joy. And Jesus says, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. The Apostle Paul, he said to those in Thessalonica, he says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. He says a little bit later on in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Well, I don't know. Sounds like a pretty big job. Nope. Nope. Not necessarily. There's a discipline that we'll talk about in a second. But don't you just jump in and try to do the discipline aspect of it. Because 
you'll be a miserable person trying to do that as well. Holiness is what sanctification really means. It means being set apart. And here is our hope to be sanctified. This is our hope of sanctification. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. It is because of Christ that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Or another version, that's where they substitute the word sanctification because it means the very same thing. I gave this illustration once. I remember when I first came here, maybe a couple years ago, maybe it's been less than that. But what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? What it means to be in Christ Jesus is that everything Jesus is becomes true of you if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, we can understand Christ Jesus being in us. I invite Jesus into my life. Come live in my life. That's right. And he's going to live through our life as we enable him through uh, abiding. And we'll talk about that in a second. But originally, you have to acknowledge that it's not only Christ in you, but that you are in Christ In that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Jesus said in the latter part of John, he's like, well, that seems a little... But here's how you get a hold of it. This Bible, if I was to open it and place this piece of paper inside of this Bible, where's the piece of paper? In the Bible. If I was to walk over and give this Bible to Rob, where's the piece of paper? With Rob, because Rob has the Bible. Am I to take the Bible back and I was to uh, pass it around to anyone in this room? Where would the piece of paper be? Whoever held the Bible. Because the piece of paper is in the Bible. And so if I took this, wrapped it up, and shipped it somewhere overseas, let's say I shipped it to Japan, where would the piece of paper be? In Japan. Why? Simple analogy, when you place something in something, then wherever and whatever is true of that piece. So it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, the one who was perfect, the one who was holy, who didn't sin, the one who loves you, who redeemed you on the cross, who came to give you power over sin as well as to forgive you for the penalty of sin. If you choose to invite him in your life, and that day you will know that I'm in my Father, and you and me and I and you, not only that you invite him into your life, but that you place your life into his life, then guess what? You get those things. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who he has become for us. Wisdom from God, that is Righteousness, holiness, sanctification, redemption. So you want to be sanctified? Let go, place yourself in Jesus Christ. The most holy person that walks on this earth is still a sinner because they were born in sin and susceptible to sin. So the idea of sanctification, cleaning up, setting apart from sin to be able to be dedicated unto God, that aspect does not happen humanly. It only happens initially by placing ourselves in Christ. And I know it's a hard concept to comprehend, but I tell you what, when you're discouraged and you're down and you're thinking, what a loser I am, you need to get your head out of the dirt. You need to get your eyes focused on Jesus. 
And everything about Jesus, if you've invited him in your life and you've placed your life into his, is true of you. You see, when you get to the final day when we pass from this life and you stand face to face with God and he says, why in the world should I let you into my perfect heaven? Because you're not very perfect. If you don't have Christ in your life and if you've not placed your life into his, he'd say, depart from me. I'm not going to mess up my perfect heaven. But he looks at you, if you are a follower of Jesus, and he says, perfect, because he sees Jesus in you. He sees that you have placed your life into Christ, and you are sanctified. So it's not, <clears throat> it's not about trying harder to improve your life. It's about focusing on having your life replaced with his. A.B. Simpson, he wrote a lot about sanctification, the founder of the Alliance Movement. I won't belabor you with a lot, but he had these simple steps of what sanctification is. He says, separation from sin, heart and soul, is like I'm removed from sin. And you name the sin, I can have it right down today, you know your sin. Separation from sin, it's dedication wholly to God. You know what dedication means? It means devoting yourself to something consistently all in. Getting ready to watch the Olympics, right? And you watch the Olympic athletes, you go, wow, that's pretty good. Did they just get there overnight? No, they dedicated themselves wholly to that particular sport. Separation from sin, dedication wholly to God, conformity to the likeness of Christ. In other words, you're going to say Christ is in me and I am in Christ and my life should mirror his life. Look in the mirror and say, Lord, help your life. May your life be able to live through me. Obedience to the will of God is not just Christ's likeness, but it's saying that I want the will of God in my life for all things. And then ultimately, a supreme love for God and mankind. Those are five distinguishing marks of what it means to be sanctified, set apart. There's this separation and there is this devotion. Placing your life in Christ and he becomes for you. Initially, that full sanctification that you rely upon. I like what he says, though, in this. Sanctification, it is an obtainment, though. It's not an attainment. You cannot sanctify yourselves. The only thing to do is to give yourself wholly to God, a voluntary sacrifice. See the distinguishing thing between the obtainment and the attainment? Obtainment is me giving the Bible to Rob. He obtained it. He didn't work for it. Here, here it is. So you obtain something as a gift. You attain something by working hard for it. And even though I mentioned the dedication of an athlete like in the Olympics has given their whole life for it, the reality is their gifts and some of the things they have initially they obtained, right? You have obtained sanctification, purity, separation, and devotion unto God because Christ is that. And he has become for you wisdom from God, your righteousness, your holiness, and your redemption. Everything is found in him. How can sanctification then so happen? 
I want to give you four words. I want to give you four words. The first is thirst. The second is ask. The third is surrender. And the fourth is abide. Thirst. On the last day, on the greatest day of the feast, in John 7, 37, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Much there to embellish and to think about. But the thirst aspect, it's up to you and I to hunger and to thirst for righteousness, for goodness. Don't live a compromised life. Don't live a two-faced life. Be all in. Jesus wants to change and transform your life and mine, sanctify us, set apart for holy things. Ultimately, holiness and pure sanctification doesn't happen until the day that we walk into the other side. But you and I need to thirst for that in this life. And he says, if you're thirsty, you will have streams of living water flow through you, and that is the Spirit. And who's the Spirit? The Spirit of Jesus himself as you place your life in him and his and yours. Ask. Luke 11, 11 says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thirst. God, I want your sanctification, your purity in my life. And then to ask, God, come and give me that which only you can give. We're not piecemealing over here with just the salvation thing. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. Penalty for sin, Jesus looks at you, forgiven. I'm talking about a full meal deal of saying, are you thirsty and asking for Jesus, to come and transform your life. Thirst, ask, and then the third is the key, surrender. Very familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2. Read this with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you surrendered yourself as a living sacrifice? We've talked in some of the chapters here in Revelation about the churches over the last few weeks that there were martyrs and people would die for their faith. Do you know sometimes it's harder to live for your faith than it is to die for your faith? In a pinch, in a moment, who are you going to declare allegiance to? Who are you going to live uprightly for? A living sacrifice means that you lay your life in full surrender before God every day. Every day. And then abide. John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you, Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. You thirst, you ask, you surrender, and then you stay abiding in him. Don't take yourself out of the book. Stay abiding in him. And he will remain and abide in you. There's two aspects to this sanctification. Again, much could be said. No time to go there. But just want to frame it up for you. When it comes to this thirsting and asking and surrender and abiding aspect, there is a crisis moment in your life where you make the decision. This is what I want. But it's not just a crisis moment of sanctification. There's also a progressive moment of sanctification. Many people refer to sanctification as a second work of God's grace. You get saved, and then you go a little while, and then you get sanctified or filled with the Spirit, whatever you want to refer to it as. Now, you'd ask yourself, well, why can't both those happen simultaneously? It's true, they can. But you know what? Times we're just ignorant people. I'm not saying ignorant of the knowledge of what we've been talking about, ignorant of where we're at and what sins are controlling us in our life. And so we take Christ as our Savior, and then you sort of walk it out for a period of time, and then you start to understand that you're still in control a lot. You've been there? I'm going to control this area. I'm going to control that area. I am fine. And so then you're sort of highlighted, what about this area, Carrie? Are you going to surrender to me? I'm like, well, I thought I surrendered everything back there. You did, but I got a brighter flashlight on your life now. Oh, you're right. Wow, I am double-minded there. And so there's a progressive sanctification, a progressive thirsting, a progressive asking, a progressive surrender, and a progressive abiding that happens. I could... Spend volumes, let's talk about the progressive side of sanctification. But my concern here this morning isn't really the progressive side as much as it's the crisis side. Have you ever come to a place of crisis in your life where you fully surrendered to God and received him not only as your savior, but as your sanctifier? Check the box. Yes. No. Maybe. I don't want to. It's a question. Have you received him as your sanctifier? And could it be that your struggle right now in life with direction in life, maybe a sin that you're falling prone to, is because you were piecemealing this thing? And yeah, you took him as your savior, but you never really fully surrendered and took him as the Lord of all of your life, as your sanctifier. I went uh, to get my truck washed this week. Because it gets dirty, live on a dirty road, dusty road. I was going to haul kids to camp. I figured I should wash my truck. I don't like to wash my truck because it costs money. I'm cheap, even if it's only $6 down here at that nice one they built over by Sam's Club on Marietta Hot Springs. You know which one I'm talking about? What is that? It's express wash. How many of you are express wash people? Yeah, then you're going to know this. You know when you express wash 
You stand there in line, you pay a little money, you go around the loop, and you're getting ready to go in. Maybe you've got some other things on your mind, but you're trying to get your car lined up right there on those tracks, right? You get it lined up there right there on those tracks. And so they come up, they start to spray a little water on your car, and then you see this. You see that sign. And that sign says to you what? Car in neutral. Feet off the pedals. Hands off the steering wheel. Antenna down, wipers off. What do you have to do? You have to surrender and let go of the control. The best thing to do is just fold your arms and get wowed by all the suds around you. Right? Have you ever lined yourself up for God's sanctification? Got yourself tracking right. And you put your life in neutral. You take your feet off the pedals, your hands off the wheel, and you say, Jesus, it's your life. You ever done that? I did it when I was 15 years old. I'm so thankful to God that he led me at an early age to make that decision. At that time, I realized I was controlling two things in my life, my future vocation and my future spouse choice. And I said, Lord, you bought me with a price. I want to place my life in your hands. You take control. And I let go of the wheel, took my feet off the pedals. You get into those car washes sometimes, and part of you wants to do something, like grab the steering wheel, turn the radio on, windshield wiper because there's an extra bug there you can lay on. No. Just let go. I need not only the crisis moment, I also need the progressive moment. The crisis moment is letting Christ have complete control of your life. The progressive moment is to keep on letting Christ have complete control of your life. Christ is our redeeming Savior. He's our abiding sanctifier. He's our transforming healer. And Christ is our coming King. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to open up the table for you to remember Christ in all of his fullness. I am the bread of life. Jesus said that we were to take of these elements in remembrance of him. That we were to take.